Tell three people around you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So you might be thinking, Merry Christmas. It's not, it's like two days before Christmas. But I thought about it. And I'm thinking to myself, we're not going to wait two days to celebrate what God has already done this day. See, today the king has come. You might not know that, but I'm telling you, today hope is here, and today God is going to show up in this place like never before. I hope you came to be changed today. Did anybody come for change? Any come life change? I came for that. I want some of that. We, uh, we've been in a series. First of all, I know, Casey, you said it to him, but if this is your first time at Meadows Church, I am so excited that you're here. Welcome home. Like, welcome home. We are so excited that you came. And uh, God's going to do something supernatural today. And uh, we, we, you heard me say earlier, hope is here. It is. It comes in the form of a baby who went to a cross. And he's got a word for you today. You might have walked in here struggling, thinking hope isn't for you. Things aren't going, things are sideways in your life. I'm telling you, God has you here for a reason. And um, I'll just kind of lay the found, or the, the groundwork for where we've been. We've been in a four-week series in the church called All I Want for Christmas. And today is the pinnacle final week. And it, you know, as parents, let's just be honest, we want to get our kids all, we, all they want for Christmas. It's kind of what we, who we are as parents. I remember um, two years ago, I think it was, that my son Jake, he was just up here singing. Um, he, uh, he wanted a, uh, I think I knew what he wanted. We watched a video about one of those drones. You know, you've seen those drones, you know, you can, they go up and they do all this cool stuff. We watched a video together where someone bought one of those drones and they hooked some toilet paper to it. And then they took it up over their neighbor's house and TP'd their entire house and tree. I'm like, we got to get that, Jake. There's a reason that our neighbors move every six months at my house. They, they, whatever. So I'm like, I got to get that. So we got, I, we got Jake that drone. I couldn't afford the toilet paper one. It was too big. They're expensive. I think Jake's could probably carry a Kleenex maybe up there. But I get this drone for Jake, and he opens it up on Christmas morning, and he's excited, and it's freezing outside. And, uh, but we didn't, that's not going to stop us from using it. So we put on our coat, and we get excited, and we bring it out there, and we set it down. And Jake wants to grab the controller and start going crazy. I said, Jake, Jake, no, no, no. Let Dad do this first. Let me show you how it's done, even though I've never done it in my life. Um, so I grab the controller, and it was like an epic dad-son moment. And the, and, and the thing starts to hover up higher and higher. And Jake and Mary are like, oh, this is going to be great. And it goes higher. And all of a sudden, I don't know if I hit a button or what happened, but all of a sudden, Boom! And it falls behind us in, a, in like a, a marshy field area. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And we run back there and we search. And to make a long story short, we never saw it again. Yeah, it was gone. It, we searched for, I mean, we felt froze to death looking for it. Never found it. Eight seconds. Say eight seconds. Eight seconds. That's good if you're riding a bull. Not good if you have a drone and you lose it in eight seconds. That's not... That, <laughs> And I tried to be such a good parent. I remember Jake and I walking back to the house, you know, with, with the feet, our, our heads are hung low. And, and I said, Jake, I don't know exactly what I said, but it was something like, Jake, you know, Christmas, it's, it's not all about the presents. It's about, it's about his presence. And then Jake said something like, shut up, Dad. You know, <laughs> whatever. So it was disappointing. But we walk in and whatever. Um, but the, the, the gifts that we're talking about in this series, All I Want for Christmas, they last longer than eight seconds. See, that's what God is teaching us. We've looked at the gifts of hope. That was week one. And then peace. Some of you, you've been looking for peace for a long time. That's why God brought you here. Peace. And then last week was joy. And then this week, we're looking at the final gift. But these are gifts that last a long time. Like the great theologian, uh, Cousin Eddie, the way he said it, Clark. <laughs> Those are the gifts that last the whole year long. Is it the whole year long? That keep on giving. That's what it is. That keep on giving the whole year long. That's what these gifts are. But the cool thing is about the gifts in this, in this series, All I Want for Christmas. Well, let me ask a question. Have you ever given somebody a gift or gotten a gift that's inside another gift? You know, people do that. They wrap a gift and then they put it in a bigger box or a smaller box, smaller box. Anybody done that? Or Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like last night, yeah, we celebrated our Christmas at my house and uh, I, we did it for Ava. And I just did, I was kind of lazy, I did two boxes, you know, but I, sh I shoved some weights in there to make it feel heavier and put a smaller box in there. And, but <laughs> that actually reminds me of a friend of mine, this isn't, don't do this, but he, uh, for, with his girlfriend, he did that. He wrapped like eight boxes and he started huge and he got smaller and smaller and he describes her unwrapping them and she's getting more and more excited because the boxes are getting real small, you know, and great things come in these small packages and she gets about right here and she's excited and she opens a final box and she looks at it and she goes, 
She goes, it's a picture of you. And he goes, he goes I know, I'm the gift. Uh, they, they, don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't date anymore. In fact, they, uh, I don't know if they ever found his body. I, I don't know. So um, don't do, I mean, unless you're looking to get out of a relationship, then that's free right there. That will work. That will work. But, but joy, hope. Peace, all of those, well, if you've been with us, and if you've missed any messages or you're new like I talked about, you can check them out on YouTube or our website. But what you'll learn is they all come from the, the gift of today. They, th- this is why I'm so excited about today. Merry Christmas. I'm glad that you're here, and God is going to do something incredible. So if you brought a Bible or a mobile device, I would love for you to go to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 2. If you don't have those things, it's cool. We're going to put it up on the screen as well. So... Matthew uh, is the start of the New Testament. The New Te- Christmas marks the, the, the beginning of the New Testament, if you don't know that. So when Jesus came to heaven, or came from heaven to earth as a child, that's, that separates the Old Testament from the New Testament. So literally, this is, you're going to get the very beginning of the Christmas story. Matthew 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. And we're gonna, I'm going I'm to show you a gift. God's going to show us a gift that if, if you let it, you will... It will change your life, I promise you. This is what it says. Matthew's writing, and he says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, and I want to pause, and I think, wise men? Is there any other kind of man? Really? Ladies, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Um, Some wise men, there are other kinds, (laughs) my wife will tell you. Um, Wise men came from eastern lands, so they're traveling a long way to go to Jerusalem, And they came and they were asking a question in verse 2. Where is the newborn king of the Jews, they said. We've heard about him. We saw a star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Verse 3 says King Herod was deeply disturbed and he should have been. See, King Herod was the king of the Jews. And King Herod, he, he don't want no other king. Like he had his throne, he had his power, he had his things, he had his power and he, so he's mad. But what's weird is what it says. He's disturbed along with everyone in Jerusalem. I think about that. I'm like, why is Jerusalem so disturbed? The Jews, that's the, Jerusalem's the center of the Jewish nation right now. They've been waiting literally hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. But the Bible says that they're disturbed to hear about it. So a couple things I just want to pull apart for you real quick. First of all, the, the wise men, they weren't Jews. They, they were Gentiles. That's somebody who's not a Jew. They travel from a long ways away. Like, a long ways, probably over a thousand miles. The, the, the history will tell us that they travel from Persia, which is modern day Iran. So from Iran to Jerusalem, like I said, depending on the portion or the part of Iran, a thousand miles they would have traveled. It would have taken a long time. The Jews are in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is five miles to the south of Jerusalem. The Jews won't go five miles to check out to see if a king is born. The wise men, who aren't even Jewish, are traveling. The reason I'm telling you all this is this. The wise men were seeking something. See, they saw a sign from God, and they saw that there was hope coming. They saw that there was peace available. They saw that joy might be an option for them, and they went after it. And the Bible says that you will find me when you seek me with all, say all, all of your heart. Here are these guys. They're not even Jews, and they're going a 1,000 miles following this sign. Some of you, you've been searching and struggling in life. And God, part of the sign is right here today. The fact that you're here is a sign from God that he wants to show you hope in the form of a child. And these wise men are traveling all this way and the Jews are disturbed about it. Why are you disturbed? This is what you've been waiting for. But sometimes when sometimes you get used to dysfunction. You get used to the, 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 the surroundings that you're in. And change is about to happen. Even though this is a great change, they're, they're disturbed because sometimes change rubs us the wrong way. Sometimes change, uh, well, it's, a, it's one of the gr- greatest growth agents there is, is change. But people don't like that. And the Jews who are waiting for this don't even like it. Man, don't resist change. God wants to change you today. God wants to change you today. You'll be tempted to resist it. Don't do it. Let's keep going. So they're disturbed. So Herod calls a meeting with the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. And he says, hey. Where's this Messiah, the guy that he's talking about, the king? Where is he supposed to be born? Well, the religious people, they knew like that because they knew the Old Testament. They memorized it. They knew scripture like that. Immediately, they quoted a book in the Old Testament, a prophet named Micah. 
So that's a book in your Bible. And Micah, 700 years earlier, wrote it down. And the, and, and the religious people knew it. They quoted Micah. They said, it's, this is what it says in Micah. In Bethlehem, it says, in Judea. For that's, that's what the prophet Micah wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler, yes, a king, will come from you, who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. So they quote Old Testament scripture that came true. This day, it came true. And Herod calls for another meeting. This time with the wise men. And this is what he says. Check this out. He says, uh, he, learned from the, well, he learned from them the time that the star first um, appeared. So he's trying to put a timeline together. And then he told them, hey guys, wise men, go to Bethlehem. Yeah, go check it out. Search carefully for that child, for that baby, for that Messiah, for that king. Search for him. And when you find him, come back. Herod said, come back five miles up here to Jerusalem and tell me. Tell me where you found him so I can go worship him. Well, that's, not, no, that's not what he wanted to do. He didn't want to worship him. He wanted to kill him. See, that's why he says, yeah, yeah, go find him. Check him out. And I'll take him out. Herod didn't want no other king besides himself. And he, so he sets the wise men up. So after the interview, after they talk, the wise men go on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Five more miles. It went ahead of them and stopped. A miracle. It stops over the place where the child was. And when they saw it, and they saw it stop, the Bible says they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. Some of you, you're dying to be just not filled with it, but I just want a little taste of it. I just want a, I just want a little touch of it. God, that's why God has you here. They were filled with joy. They entered the house. Now, I don't want to rain on your nativity scene, but when the wise men would show up, little baby Jesus wasn't a baby anymore. See, they traveled, remember, a thousand miles? It would have taken quite a long time. And scholars believe that Jesus, by that time, would have been like one to two years old. Imagine Jesus in diapers. I mean, that's, I don't even, maybe Jesus didn't need diapers. He's Jesus. He could probably do something different. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But so, <laughs> um, but so Jesus would have been one to two years old. And notice it says they entered the house. They didn't enter the cave. They didn't go into the manger. They, did, it, they were in a house now. Mary and Joseph had got, moved on from the cave to a house. And they, and they saw the child, not the baby, but they saw the child with his mother Mary. And look what they do. They bow down immediately and they worship Jesus. That is key. I'll come back to that in a second. They bowed down and they worshiped Jesus. Then, say then. Then. See, they did this and then that. Then they opened up gifts of gold and frankincense. Not murder, but myrrh. Though, though Herod wanted to open up a can of murder on, on, on Jesus. <laughs> gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the best of the best. The best they could give. And they gave it to the child. And verse 12 is a verse that you could easily read the Christmas story and easily look over at verse 12 and think, oh, whatever, that's, okay, we have the nativity scene or what we think is, and Jesus and the wise men and the gifts is done. Verse 12 is the key to the message. When it was time to leave, they returned to their country, the wise men, by a different route. For God had warned them in the dream not to go back to the way they came, not to go back to Herod. See, the main point for you and I for today that God has for us, when you receive this gift of Jesus, you will leave different than you came. See, when you receive the gift of Jesus, you will leave differently than you came. I promise you. I know how you came in, but my prayer for every one of us, including myself, is that today, we're going to leave differently than we, when we came. They left differently when they, than they came. See, the gift of Jesus is ultimately a gift from God. What's the most famous scripture out there that people quote? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. So he loved and then he gave. His one and only son, that whoever might believe in this baby who grew up to be a Messiah, or he was the Messiah, grew up to go to a cross, whoever believes won't perish. I mean, you'll die on earth, but you'll live again forever. You'll have eternal life. This is the greatest, that's one of the greatest Christmas scriptures there is. But you know what? Uh, this might blow your minds a little bit, what I'm about to say next. Christmas, at its core, isn't first about giving. It's not. Christmas, at its core, is first about receiving. That's what it's about. If my kids were in, there, they, in here, they'd be like, yeah, praise Jesus, Dad. Give me more. Yeah, whatever. That's not what I mean. But anyway, so it's about receiving. See, you can't give what you don't have. 
You can't. Let's go back to the wise men. Let me show you what the wise men. Remember what they did? It says they came in and they bowed down. And they, they didn't give right away, remember? They, 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 they bowed low and they worshiped. What they were doing in that moment was receiving. They were receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. In that moment, paying homage to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, they were receiving the good news. They were, see, they were like, I, 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 believe, I believe this is God's son. I believe this is the Messiah. This is why I rode a camel a thousand miles. I believe it and I receive it. And they did it. And then the byproduct of receiving that gift that will, that will make you leave differently than when you came, the byproduct then is giving. See, they receive the love of Jesus. And then when you receive that, it changes you. And then all of a sudden, love loves to give. And, and, and when they received it, they had no choice. They're like, we have to give. What do we got? What do we bring? Oh, we got this or that. No, 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 that's not good enough. Grab the best. The stuff that we're going to keep us to make sure we get back, grab that. The gold, the, all that, get that up here. We need to give him our best. And they gave and they gave and they gave because love loves to give. Love loves to give. I know this firsthand, you guys. Before I knew Jesus, like 11 years ago, I was saved. By, by owning the Christmas story and receiving it. Before that, I didn't, I was not generous. I wasn't a giver. I, I, just, I just know that when Jesus changes you, I had a friend, I have a friend, I grew up with him, and we, you know how you grow up with kids and you go to grade school and high school and then you lose contact? Well, he still lives in my hometown, and I haven't talked to him pff, 20 years. So, but we're still friends. We grew up, I remember spending the night at his house, probably 10 years old. And I see on social media that he's got five kids. I mean, five kids, that's a whole other sermon. Five kids. And his wife, it says his wife was just diagnosed with stage four cancer. So I see this on, on Facebook, and there's a GoFundMe with it. And immediately, I went on there and gave. And I'm not patting myself on the back. That isn't me. What, what I would do in my heart is, okay, say a quick prayer, man, that, that does suck, and I feel bad, I'm going to pray for you. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be compelled to give. And if I did, it certainly wouldn't be anything sacrificial. But I knew right away, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine if that was my family. I can't imagine. And he made, see, that's what love loves to give. It, and not just financially, that's just a piece of it. I just, I wrote it down. And you've probably heard this before. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. It is impossible. It is impossible. The wise men had to give. When you receive the gift of Jesus, you will leave differently than when you came. You will be changed. Now, it might not happen immediately. Well, I went to church three weeks in a row. I'm still the same jack wagon I've always, well, yeah, you know, it's going to take some time. You took a long way to get where you are. It's, it's like me going to the gym. I mean, January 3rd, I'll probably go back to the gym, you know, like all of us. And uh, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to hit it hard January 3rd. Now, January 4th, when I look at myself in the mirror, and I don't see a six-pack, screw it, I'm done. It's over. I'm going to go buy a six-pack, you know? It's like, this is... I, but we want the change like that. That's how I was. Speaking of six-pack, um, I don't even know if I should tell this story, but I will. Um, so <laughs> to show you the how change is immediate, or, or it, can't, it most likely isn't immediate to you especially, but it's eventually God will change you. 11 years ago, I told you, is when I really met Jesus. It's when, he really, when I really owned the Christmas story. It wasn't just something that I believed, but it's something that literally made me go a different way. But know that when you, when I, at least this is my story, it might not be yours, but when I first accepted that, I was still, half of me still wanted to live that life that I was living. The other half was torn. You know, I'm like, oh. So I got these friends that are partying and doing what we always used to do. And I'm going to church, but yet I'm going to the bar. And we're going out one time to the bar and I would justify it. I'm like, you know, if Jesus was walking the earth today, he'd go to the bar. That's what Jesus would do. He'd hang out with all these drunk guys. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's true, Monty. I just don't know if Jesus would be like doing shots of yag and chasing it with Red Bull, okay? I don't know that he would do that. That's what you're doing. And that's, that is what I was doing. So here's, I don't know if I was a great witness for Jesus at this time, but I was trying, okay? It's all I knew. So I'm getting hammered at the bar with my buddies. And I love Jesus, I think. And, <laughs> and then we get to the point where I've had enough in me and I'm like talking to my buddy. I'm like, you know, I'll sit down. You know, Jesus loves you. And he's like, oh my gosh, here we go with this guy and his Jesus. I'm like, gee, no, Jesus loves you, I was telling him. I said, he loves you. I said, you should come to church with me tomorrow. You know, all like, he's like, dude. And he said to me, what so many people will say, I, if I went to church, I would like internally combust. I would go up in flames. And I said, no, no, maybe, but no. Um, so I said, no. I said, Jesus will forgive you. 
I said, he'll forgive you. And he said, Jesus isn't going to forgive. You know what I've done. Jesus can't forgive me. And then I did some reverse psychology. Didn't know I was even doing it. It was just amazing. It was God. And I was like, I was like, you're right. Jesus ain't going to forgive you. Jesus can forgive me. He can forgive everybody else here, but he can't forgive you. And he's like, ah, Jesus might forgive me. I said, no, no. Jesus ain't going to forgive you. He said, no, I think he could forgive me. I said, nope. He said, you know what? Jesus will forgive me. And I was like, right then and there, this drunk guy led himself to Christ. It was amazing. I was like, though he doesn't remember it the next day. That's the problem. So my point, I do have a point to that story, believe it or not. The point is, Jesus, you, you will leave differently than when you came. And, and, and it may not happen according to your timetable. It may not happen immediately. You don't, don't expect perfection. Just make some progress today and watch what God does. You might not change immediately, but I promise you, eventually, you will start to love differently. Eventually, you will start to live differently. Eventually, you will start to act differently because Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, changes everybody that he meets if you let him. If you let him. And will you let him? He wants to change you. He's in the business of changing people. So, so we heard the story from Matthew's point of view. The crazy thing is, I need to personalize this for you. I, the story of, see, most people will celebrate Christmas and they'll open gifts and they'll even say Jesus is the reason for the season and it's Jesus' birthday, but it's, but it's still not personal. The reason I can tell you that is that was my story all of my life. All of my life, I would celebrate Christmas. From the time I was a kid, the first thing I would do on Christmas morning, Jesus, happy birthday. I'd tell him that all the time. It didn't matter what I said. It mattered how, what I did. And it mattered how I received and then gave. See, Christmas, it will change you if you let it. But most people won't accept the change. It's, it's crazy. But, but let, let me share a story with you about the man, Matthew, that, you, that we read from, his book that he wrote in the gospel. Gospel means good news, by the way. Matthew, I want to share a story with you when Matthew first met Jesus. Okay, he wrote, a, he wrote, he wrote the biography of Jesus in, in his book. But Matthew wasn't always so excited about what Jesus was going to do. So I'm going to take you, and you can go there too if you got your Bible, or we'll put it up, Matthew 9. And I'm going to give you four or five verses, starting in the ninth verse. And I'll, let me set it up for you real quick. Um, Matthew was a Jew. Matthew was a tax collector. Okay, those two aren't a good combination, okay? Tax collectors would tax or collect taxes from the Jewish people and give it to the Roman Empire, okay? So, so Matthew's working for the Romans, who the Jews hate because Roman, the Roman government, the Roman, the Roman Empire has the Jews under their thumb as slaves, basically. See, this is why they wanted the Messiah to come. Why Jerusalem, why the Jews are so excited about a king is coming, a savior is coming, a Messiah is coming, because they thought the king was going to save them from Rome. Oh my gosh, you're not going to be over us anymore. When our king comes, we'll be over you. And then there's a baby in a manger. Well, that's not our king. Our king's going to look different than that. Our king will be a mighty warrior. Our king, our king will, will hammer you under his feet. That's what our king will do. See, that's what they wanted. Jesus wasn't quite like that, though he is a mighty warrior. So, so, so Matthew. So Matthew's collecting taxes, and tax collectors, most of them, if not all of them, would gouge. They'd charge more, pocket it. They were very rich, lucrative. They had a lot. They just didn't have a lot of friends. Right? They had no friends. The, 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 Jews, the, the Jews didn't want them because they're, they're, they're taxing them and working for the Romans. The Romans aren't inviting them to the Christmas party because they're Jews, so they can't go there. So they can't win. Again, they have no friends. Kind of like the guy who takes uh, selfies at the gym. No friends. Stop doing that. Okay? You're doing that, aren't you? So, <laughs> you know, I got to get it just right, you know. Dude, if you spend as much time lifting weights as you did taking pictures, you might get somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. At least I work out, pastor. Whatever, you know. Anyway, so what was I talking about? Matthew? That's right, Matthew. So Matthew is not liked. That's the point. Matthew meets Jesus. Take one. I'm going to actually tell the story from a first-person point of view. Matthew writes it in third person for us, but I'm going to tell it in first person. As Jesus was walking one day along, he saw me. 
he called me Matthew. He said, a, name, a man named Matthew. I was sitting at my booth like I normally am, collecting my taxes like I normally did. Jesus said something crazy to me. He said, follow me, be my disciple. I, 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 I got up and I followed him. It wasn't as easy as it sounds, but that's what I did. Later, I actually had the guts to invite Jesus and his disciples to come to my home as dinner guests, along with many of my coworkers who people hated and other disreputable sinners is what the Bible says, how Matthew writes it, other losers. All the losers got to hang out with Jesus. I invited them, we hung out. But when, we, but when the Pharisees, the religious people, saw this, I, I heard them ask the disciples, why does your teacher Jesus eat with such scum? I got to tell you, when I heard the word scum, it hurt. I know we're maybe not the best people, but scum? It's kind of harsh. But that's what they said. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, I love it. When, when, when Jesus heard this, check this out, because he was listening. He's Jesus. When he heard this, he spoke right up for us. He said, you know what, religious people, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, oh, and check this out. Check what Jesus said next, because this would rub the Pharisees. This would rub the religious people. And Jesus knew it. And Jesus said, you know what? Now go and learn the meaning of Scripture. I want this Scripture, and this is from another prophet in the Old Testament named Hosea. And, and, and for Jesus to tell a Pharisee or a religious person to go learn Scripture, you talk about a slap in the face. They memorized Scripture. They didn't have to go look it up or learn it. They knew it. And Jesus said, you might know it, but listen to what I'm telling you. Go and know this scripture. Go and own this scripture from Hosea in the Old Testament. Because he wrote, I want you to show mercy. Say mercy. Mercy. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I could care less about your religion. Like, it kind of bothers me when you look up Meadows Church on the internet. It says religious organization. I hate that. We're not. We're not. I don't know how to get that changed. If somebody can help me, please, tell, please do it. We're not. We are a people organization. We are a relationship organization. We are a Christ-centered organization. But we are not a religious organization. It's not who we are. Jesus says, I could care less about your religion. I could care less about your rituals. They mean nothing. What I want is your love. What I want is a relationship. This is what I'm going for. This is what I'm moving to the cross for. That's what Jesus said. You don't get it, he said. These sinners, they get it. And then he adds this last verse. For I have come not to call those who think they're righteous. I love that he doesn't say those who are righteous because no one's righteous. And Jesus knew it. He said, I have come to call, not to call those who think they're righteous. Not you guys, you smart people, you religious people. I've come for those who know they're sinners. I love it. Trust me, Matthew knew he was a sinner. And you know what I know about most people that aren't doing the right thing? They know it, Okay. You don't probably need to shove their face in it too much. They probably beat themselves up enough, is my guess. I know I did. When I was addicted to drugs and hiding it from my family and my wife and my kids and my friends, what I didn't need is somebody telling me how horrible of a person I was. Geez, you're a horrible dad. Yeah, trust me, I know. Man, you're a horrible husband. I know. I, I, it, please tell me about how bad I am. I know. I know. Matthew knew he was a sinner. The, the losers around him, they knew they were sinners. But do you know what else they knew? They knew that Jesus cared about them. They, that's what they knew. They knew that even more so than what they've done. Is this man, this, this, this prophet like I've never heard? He cares about me. We say, it, we say it all the time. Jesus cared about the people that nobody else cared about. I love that. Jesus, maybe you're here today and you're wondering, does anybody care about me? Everybody's busy so much with their, their families and their lives and their Christmas. Yeah, I'll tell you, yeah, I know someone who cares about you more than you know. Jesus cared about the people that nobody else cared about. And time and time again, we see Jesus surround himself with people who are hurting. Surround himself with people who are broken. I say a church without broken people is a broken church. And maybe you feel like you're hurting. Maybe you feel like you're broken or you're lonely. I'm telling you, don't give up. Because Jesus can take what is broken in you and he can turn it into something absolutely beautiful. It's what he does. It's what Christmas is about. That's why they were so attracted to him. The most attractive thing in the world is love. True, authentic love. Unconditional. I wish I got it right. Most days I don't. 
Matthew. You know, Matthew wasn't always named Matthew. It's interesting that he started the scripture by saying, Jesus walked up to a man named Matthew. That wasn't even his name. It wasn't. The, the story of Matthew meeting Jesus, if you read it in Mark or Luke, he's not Matthew. His name's Levi. It's Levi. Not Matthew. Who's Matthew? Read him. You can read the other guys. They wrote about it too. They don't say it's Matthew. They say it's Levi. See, that was his name. A Levi. And, and the Levites, if you know about the Levites, they're the, they're the godly people. Those are the Pharisees. Those are the priestly people. I wonder if Matthew couldn't make the cut. And then he ended up collecting taxes because he couldn't do what the family wanted him to do. I don't know that. I'm just throwing that out there. Levi. That was his name. Why do I tell you that? When we meet Jesus, you will leave differently than you came. When you, meet, when you accept, when you receive the gift of Christmas, Jesus, you will not only leave differently than you came, but you will have a, a, a completely new identity. Your identity will literally change. Who's Levi? Matthew's like, I don't know who that is. I'm Matthew. I love it. I love that he, I love that Matthew describes himself as Matthew from the start. I love that. You want a new identity? You want to be made new, not just cleaned up, not just brushed up. I'm talking made new. A new identity. Identity is a huge thing. You know, I had a new identity one time. It was one of the stupidest things I've done, and I've done a lot of them. I've told this story before. I won't tell uh, the whole thing, but um, I was 20, and I, I was using a guy's ID to try to get in the bar. And some of you, some of you are like, this, guy's got, this pastor's got a lot of stories about the bar. I, I know. I got a lot more. So anyway, um, I, I can just picture some of you. <laughs> some of you are going to be at Christmas with your family, having a nice, beautiful Christmas meal. And one of your mom's going to ask you, oh, sweetie, what did your pastor talk about at your Christmas service? Well, you know, he did Jager bombers with some guys at the bar, you know. Where do you go to church? <laughs> you know. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> well, I got, got off track again. Um, so, oh, yeah, the identity. So this guy's identity, this was really stupid. But um, So I'm 20 years old, trying to get in the bar. So my buddy gives me a fake ID. It's not fake. It's somebody else's ID. Tim. I was Tim that day. So I'm like, I'm Tim. Now, Tim and I... Other than we're both Caucasian, and we both have dark hair, look nothing alike. Nothing. So why did I think this would work? Again, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. So I'm like, okay, let's try this. But the thing that really set Tim apart from me, and I'm not dissing on Tim. You know, maybe he got braces by now, but Tim had huge teeth. Huge Bugs Bunny looking buck teeth. So you, you got to just picture in your head just for the comedy. I mean, here I am standing in front of the bouncer at, at this bar, and he's looking at the ID, and he's looking at me. And he's looking at the ID, and I know what he's thinking, so I'm standing there. <laughs> Literally, that's why I was standing there. I'm, that's what I'm, I'm like, I, I, people thought, that dude is, he's special, yeah, he's special. Can I just tell you that it, did, it didn't end well for Tim. It, didn't end, it did not end well for Tim that night. <laughs> the guy was smarter than that. So anyway, um, my point is, identity is a big deal. And see, where do you get your identity? Where do you find your identity? Jesus says, I'll give you a new one. But where do we put our identity? As I prepared for the message, I thought about it, and I think this covers 99% of where you find your identity. Here's where you find it, most people anyway. From what you do, from what you have, or who you hang with. From what you do, what you have, or who you hang out with. Now there, I know I'm not maybe covering 100%, but that's a lot of it. What's the first person somebody will ask you when you meet them? Hey, what do you do? Right? It's, I guarantee, it's almost the first thing they'll ask. Before they'll ask about even your family or if you're married or whatever, they'll ask, what do you do? And we, we get wrapped up. Well, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dad. Right? I'm a teacher. I'm a singer. I'm a student. Okay, yes, that is what you do. It's not who you are. There's a big difference. Big difference. That is not your identity. What you have, we, we can get, I can get wrapped up in this too. What I have, well, I've, got a I've got this nice home. I've got this nice family. Kids fall in this category, and you guys, kids is huge. So many people get their identity wrapped up in their kids. Dangerous, very dangerous. They, I love my kids more than anything. I'm guilty of doing this. I'll be the first one to admit this is one I, I'm guilty of. But, but, but what you have, well, I got a nice car, I got a nice career, I've got a big 401k, I've got all this going, and, we, and that's not... That might be what you have, but that's not who you are. Well, you know, I hang out with this group. I'm that type of person. I've got this many friends. I've got this many followers. 
here's something funny. Two weeks ago, I got a notification and it says somebody started following me on Pinterest. I'm like, the first thing I thought is I have a Pinterest account. I'm like, I'm now I'm thinking someone stole my identity, Pinterest. And the second thing I thought of is that person is gonna be very disappointed. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't build or bake or whatever you look for, I don't have that. I about died. Someone stole my identity, Casey. It's terrible. Um, followers is where I'm going with that. In the, in the age that we live in, social media is a, a big deal, and it's not the devil. It's not good or bad. It's what we do with it. But so many of us get wrapped up. Do they like it? Do they love it? Did they look at it? Are they sharing it? How many followers do I have? Right? Because that's where I'm going to get my identity. That's where I'm going to get my self-worth. They're going to validate me. And the younger you are, probably the more prevalent this might be in your life. I battle the same thing in my life. But I'm convinced of one thing, of what we've talked about, those three things. You're not going to find your identity in what you have. You're not going to find your identity in, 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 in what you do. And you certainly will not find your identity in who's following you. See, at the end of the day, I believe the opposite. You find your identity in the one that you follow, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's your identity. That's what changed Levi. Never place your identity in anything that can be taken away from you, okay? Your kids can be taken away. Your job can be taken away. Your money can be taken away. Your career can be taken away. The gift that I'm talking about, that God wants you to know today, the gift that will make you leave different than when you came, cannot be taken away from you. It can't. It can't. When you receive it, it's yours. It is yours. You know what I didn't even mention? I, I forgot to even mention one thing, and this is huge. When we're talking about identity, so many people get wrapped up in what they've done. Well, Levi, you've screwed a lot of people. You've done a lot of bad things. You stole, you lied, you, you cheated. I, do, I, boy, I could go off. That's a whole other sermon. What I've done, where I failed, mistakes I've made, sins I've committed, people I've hurt, people I love that I hurt. And then we start to own that. We start to think, I'm that. You're not that. Failure's not you. It's, a, it's something that happened that you can actually learn from and grow from. It's not who you are. It's not, it's, you're not your sin. You're not your struggle. You're not your weakness. You're not your illness. You're not your failure. Stop attaching yourself to those things. Stop. You're not that. That might be going on, but that's not who you are. At least when you accept this gift that we're talking about, then it changes. It, a few weeks ago, we baptized 28 people in this church, and I'm telling you something. I get so emotional every time we experience that because it's a, it's a, it's a visual that I just cannot get over. See, baptism is this representation of the old is gone. I'm not, I'm not just talking, oh, it's, it's down there waiting. No, 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 stop thinking that. It's dead. That's Levi. I have no clue who that is. No clue. But this, this is Matthew. This, this is you. It, 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 the old isn't just gone. It's dead. It's over. It is a new creation. And I believe with all my heart when, when Jesus walked up to Matthew and called him, Jesus is like, I bet he didn't ever refer to him as Levi. I bet he never did. I bet it was like, you're Matthew. And Levi's probably like, I've never, I don't even know who you're talking to. My name's not Matthew. Jesus don't care. Now you're Matthew. You want to follow me? Get up and follow me. I bet he did. I, I, I bet he never called him Levi. Jesus is like, I have no clue who that is. You're with me now. I make all things new is what my word says. I change your identity. I don't just brush you up. I make you new. <laughs> that, that's what would blow Levi away. That's what would blow him away. See, you're not your sin. You're not your mistake. What does God say? He says you're loved. That's what he says. He says you're forgiven. What do you, you need to know what scripture says about you when you receive the gift of Jesus. You are lovable. You are valuable. You are forgivable. You are capable. You are usable. You are blessable. You stop believing you're what the world says about you and start believing what your God says about you. He says you're his. He loves you. He loves you. 
Levi. I don't know who Levi is. Stop calling yourself that. You're Matthew. Father, why do you keep calling me Matthew? Where do you come up with that name, Jesus? Well, Levi, let me tell you a story about the meaning of names. See, Matthew, the name literally means the gift of God. It's the title of today's message, too. The name Matthew, the gift of God. And I bet Matthew's like, gift? He's like, yeah, you're, the, you're a gift. You're a gift of God. You've been made new. You've been set free. I'll go back just a little bit to the story of me before 11 years ago, celebrating Christmas. I would celebrate it for Jesus. I would believe in Jesus. I just didn't receive it. Matthew wrote in the scriptures in, in Matthew 7, he wrote about how a lot of people will believe, a lot of people will declare Jesus, but they don't know him. They don't receive him. That was me. In that addiction I talked about that I hid from everybody that owned me, that I owned, that I took on as an identity. I'm a drug addict. I'm a loser. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. That's what I would call myself. And I believe every word of it. When you, when you see your family around you and you see the destruction that you cause and then you continually make the choice to do it, man, I don't know how else to say I don't, there's a, the, worthless is probably the best description. I had head knowledge of Jesus Christ all my life. And maybe that's you here today. You have the head knowledge. You believe in the Bible. You believe in Jesus. You believe that he was in the baby. He was the baby in the manger. He grew up and he went to the cross. You believe it. But is it, is it in the head or is it in the heart? I had head knowledge. I had no heart relationship. My actions would prove that. The way that I used would prove that. How I talked would prove that. The way I manipulated would prove that. Oh, I would talk a great game. Fool everybody. Far from him. I was so far from him. And I bet you, Matthew, check this out. Levi, I bet Levi felt the same way. Levi, when Jesus walked up to, to Levi, that wasn't the first time that Levi saw Jesus. Okay? You need to understand that. It might have been the first time he met him face to face. But Le Levi would have saw Jesus walking around, doing the teachings, doing some miracles. Levi wrote the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first sermon. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And Levi would have been sitting back at his tax collector booth. What? Who is that guy? Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. And Levi's like, what? But there's something so attractive about what he's saying. Oh well. And then the next day went, and the next day went. It wasn't the first time Levi heard Jesus, but that encounter, see the encounter at the tax collector booth that day, when he went from Levi to Matthew, this is when it would go from his head, okay, I, I know about him, he's real, I see him, to his heart. And that's the game changer that is receiving the gift of Jesus Christ. And that is when you leave different than you came. That is when you come in as Levi and you leave as Matthew. That is the difference. But love always involves a choice. Do you know how Levi went from Levi to Matthew? Well, it's kind of a similar word to Levi. See, you change Levi. You just, just take out a couple letters. And you, you put love in there. The Bible says God is love, by the way. That means Jesus is love. So you put love in there, and all of a sudden, this is a game changer, and Levi's gone. Can't even see it in there. That's love. And love gives me a new identity, and now I'm Matthew. This is what God will do. This is what he does. He just needs to change, take out a couple letters. That's easy for him. It's like that to him. Our job is to choose it. For God so loved the world. The world's everybody. The Bible says not everybody's going to meet Jesus. In fact, most people won't. I know that's not a fun thing to hear on Christmas, Pastor. Well, it is, if you, it is if you receive the gift of Christmas. It's an incredible thing. Incredible thing, like the greatest news in the world. Love always involves a choice. So Jesus walks up to Levi, but if Levi, he didn't say, Levi, come with me, you're coming now. And the guys grab him and force him to come. They didn't do that. It's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, hey, Matthew, you want to come follow me? Matthew's like, huh, you know, I do. That looks pretty good. And he made the choice. He had to make the choice. And so many people, well, God loves me. God died for me. I'm a child of God. You're not a child of God unless you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then you're adopted into his family. Then your identity's changed. It may not happen immediately, remember, but it will happen eventually. 
You keep pressing into Jesus, he will change you. The salvation happens like that. The transformation takes time. God's still working on me. Boy, is he still working on me. All right, I got to close. So let's close with this. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't say a baby in a manger. Matthew would watch his, his, his king, his teacher, his, his, his savior, his best friend go to a cross. He'd watch, let's call him love because that's what Jesus is. He would watch love lead people. He would watch love teach people. He would look love in the eyes and hear love tell him he loves him. He would watch love get spit on, arrested, beaten. He would watch love be crucified on a cross and bleed out. That's what happened to Jesus, by the way. He bled out for us. Not because he had to, but because, well, he had to. He wanted to. Love compelled him to. Love loves to give. So because love, Jesus, loves to give, he would give up everything for us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ says he went to the cross, he would die. Literally, the man was dead. Dead. But three days later, the Bible says that they rolled back the tomb and the tomb was empty. And that Jesus Christ wasn't in there. They came looking, they said, where's Jesus? They said, he's not here. He's gone, he's risen. And this is why we can have a new identity. And we can leave a different way. Because Jesus, he went in the tomb one way, he came out a different way. Did you know that? He came out a different way. He came out new. He came out like how he wants you to come out today. How he wants you to leave here today. So pastor, what do you mean? How do, how do I receive the gift? Just, just pray to God. You just pray to God. After this, we'll have a prayer team up here. I hope it's flooded up here with people praying, saying, I, I, want, I, want, I want to receive the gift of Jesus. I want. It just means you're going to ask Jesus to forgive you. You're going to ask him that you want to know him. You want to go from a Levi to a Matthew. And they'll pray with you. And it'll happen. We'll celebrate. But that's why you're here. This is what God wants to do. And if that's you today, maybe you've gotten off track, you call it a recommitment, or you've never got on track and you call it a commitment, it doesn't matter. But you need to do it. Do not leave here unless you know that your name has been changed, unless you know that you have been made new, unless you know that you've received the gift of Jesus Christ, unless you know and own the gospel, that Jesus takes dead things and he brings them back to life. It's what he does. That's the gospel of Jesus. I don't know, is my family in here? No? No, are they? Are the kids here? All right. I just want Jody to come up here. And if the kids aren't here, that's fine. It could just be you, but I... We'll take you, Jody. We'll take you. Uh, Yeah, she deserves something. You wouldn't have a pastor if it wasn't for her. You would not have a pastor if it wasn't for her. All the times you hear about all my dysfunction and all my, all my trips to the bar and all my lies and deceit, she's the one who's had to put up with all of it. I remember sitting in rehab thinking, God has blessed me with an angel. And, uh, and Jody's probably home thinking, God has blessed me with uh, something. I don't know. An opportunity? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love you, sweetie. Thank you for being there for me and for our church. And God is making things new. And I just, the greatest gift that I no is a changed life. Our lives have been changed. We're not perfect. We're far from it. But we love Jesus Christ who is perfect and we love you. God loves you more. I got an email this week from a gal. She, uh, this is kind of the story in a nutshell. She said, Monty, this is how she started the email. The service this past weekend, last weekend, radically, say radically, radically impacted me. That's what Jesus will do. I'm not talking. I mean, I gotta stop preaching, don't I? Um, so, radically, she says, in the middle of my mental battle, I visited Meadows. Now she's rewinding back months. I visited Meadows. The song Peace was played. I shook to the core because she didn't have peace. Never had I heard a worship song directly hit mental health in such a way. See, this is something that I really struggle with still today. I'm a pastor. I struggle with mental health issues because of my addiction. I'm not afraid to say it. Jesus is making me new. He wants to do the same for you. After worship, you came up and spoke. I remember you hearing you speak openly about your past addictions, dysfunction. I was blown away how open your church is about struggling. Oh, by the way, we're a church where it's okay to not be okay. Did you know that? If you're not okay, welcome freaking home, okay? I got to stop saying freaking, don't I? Anyway, so, uh, yeah. God's working on me. So, <laughs> 
I wanted to be a part of this church because of the openness and understanding that this church has. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tackling difficult subjects like this. See, people are dying on the inside. God is doing great things in my life through the church. I have been so loved there. God has used the church as a healing place for me mentally and spiritually. This part of my life is not easy to share, but I wanted to encourage you in saying that God is using Meadows Church for a powerful spiritual revival. Jesus Christ is in the business of changing lives and making things new. And yeah, it's not my church, it's his church. And he makes all things new. I wanna pray for you, Father, thank you so much for my bride, Jody, um, who I don't even give enough credit to from the stage, what she's done. There is no Meadows Church without her and her love for me and her love for you. God, I lift up everybody in this church. I don't know their exact story, but I do know this. You know their story, and it matters deeply to your heart. And you actually brought them here for a specific reason, because you needed a specific word that you wanted them to hear. You want them to receive your gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of Christmas, not just to celebrate it and say your son is the reason for the season, but own it. Let it go from our head to our heart and watch you make us new. The old is gone, the new is here. The dead is gone, life is here. God, send your spirit. Do whatever you need to do. But my prayer for this church is this. We are a church of action. And we have to make the choice. Matthew, Levi had to make the choice. He had to get up and go. He had to let it move from his head to his heart. And I'm praying for everybody and anybody in this place that, God, you are moving in their hearts and that they will not leave here until they know that they're made new. They know that they have a new name. And they know that in you, the best is yet to come. We believe it. We declare it. And we love you. We love you. We pray it in the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. And everybody says... Amen. From our family to yours, I want to just wish you a Merry Christmas and tell you we love you, and we're proud to be your pastors, and we love praying for you. So God bless you.